Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Mr. Valentine, how are you, sir? Great, brother. How are you doing? Doing very well. You can hear me, see me okay. You got all that, all that. Oh, work. yeah. Beautiful. Absolutely, man. Awesome, man. So I just want to make sure you've got full context on uh, everything here. That way, if you've got any questions, and then um, we will just start rocking and rolling, and, and it'll give these guys a, a chance to jump in that are going to be joining us. And these guys will have their mics muted, but um, they'll come in and ask some, some phenomenal questions too. So uh, we, uh, I get the pleasure and the honor of, of working with young people around the world all the time. Got schools that I've built all over the world. And uh, Tim Kennedy and I decided to put together this phenomenal program to, to link up with uh, who are quite honestly the, the leaders of the next generation. I mean, these are the best of the best of the best. These young men are stellar. And uh, so they take on projects and challenges and uh, workouts and readings. And they take all these things on every single month. And then every week, they get to jump on with just amazing men like yourself, amazing leaders that are uh, impacting the world in positive ways. And, uh, you know, you and I will chat for a little bit and these guys will jump in. And we release it as an episode of the Essential 11 as well, which goes out all over the world. I love and, it. Yeah, man. I mean, talk about some uh, like what a charmed life I get to lead, you know, <laughs> like, come on. This is it's it's really feel it, brother. All right, man. Well, that's awesome. I appreciate you taking the hour. And like I said, I kind of want to start with you. I've gotten to dive in a little bit. I've sent <laughs> a little bit of info, but dude, you have had a journey. You are still on a journey and you're doing some amazing things. So I want to get into your X-Men story here. Yeah, man. Yeah. So uh, as a kid, I mean, I, I kind of like to go back to the beginning because it's kind of helpful. Um, as a kid, I, uh, I grew up as a military brat. <clears throat> My dad was a pilot in the Air Force. We lived everywhere, man. So by the time I graduated high school, I lived in 15 different houses in 13 different cities. I mean, it was just constant movement. There's a lot of things that were challenging about that. There were also a lot of things that were a blessing about that, right? And so one of the things that I figured out pretty quickly was I was an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad was an entrepreneur before he got into the military. He had his own landscaping business in college that he built up and sold. And back in the 80s, when you sold a, a landscaping business for $36,000, that wasn't a bad chunk of change. No. Uh, and he uh, really encouraged me in everything that I had going on as far as my entrepreneurial journey. So my first time doing that was when I was 10 years old. I went to school and I said, hey, dad, all these kids want candy bars. I have this idea. What if we go to the grocery store? I'll buy some candy bars for 25 cents and then I'll sell them for 50 cents. But I was like, great. I was like, can I get a loan of $5 to go buy those? So he said, sure. So sure enough, I go to school. I start selling them for 50 cents. I sell out in less than a week. I go, hey, dad, here's your $5 back. And then I go take the other five and go buy $5 worth of candy bars again. And I just started that process over and over again. Fast forward, I started my first business when I was my first real, like, you know, grown up business when I was yeah. 25. And I started a digital marketing and advertising agency. I'd, I was one of those uh, kids that when I was 18, I was a senior in high school. I got an internship at a small business doing social media, websites, uh, 
video production. Like I was doing marketing and advertising back in the day. Now it was way before anything we have now. So I was doing Friendster and MySpace. Yep. When I was in college, we were texting in tweets because you couldn't actually, uh, we didn't have smartphones. So <laughs> yeah. when I tell some of my younger staff that they're like, you had to text in a tweet. Oh yeah. And so anyways, at 25, I started my first company. I have no idea what I'm doing. I just know that I know marketing. I'd never been on that side of it. I'd always been in-house in firms. And so I went off to the races. And over the course of four years, bebopped around. Finally, in the fourth year, I really saw some big growth. And that big growth happened when I finally did the thing that I didn't want to do. When I started that first company, I had a business partner and he was someone that was really, really close to me. He and I were very, very tight. I mean, brothers. And there was a difference in our vision. So when we launched the company on May 1st of 2013, I had just found out four weeks prior that my wife and I were pregnant with our first daughter. Oh, wow. So I had to make this thing make money. You know, Matt? Like, yep. it was like, I couldn't just play. And yep. this guy wasn't dating anybody yet. He was the same age, but he was just at a different life stage. Yep. And so for me, this became like the thing. And for him, it was a thing, which is yep. cool. Sometimes that is the right way to go about a business for some people. Yeah. For me, I am an intensely driven dude. Mm -hmm. And so eventually it just got to the point where he and I could not function. So at the end of 2016, I went to him, I said, hey, man, I, I got to buy you out. And I remember being at his house and just the entire night before he lived in Denver, I lived in Dallas. I mean, uh, this may be a little bit graphic, but I'm going to go there because I think it's worth mentioning a story. I've never had, I've never been so nervous that I like really had bowel discomfort. Yeah. And yeah. I was just sick all night, y'all. Yeah. Like sick all night. And so I get up the next morning, I have this conversation with him and then I move on. And, and it was phenomenal to see what happened in the next two years. So that next year we increased revenue by 50%. We had a good little company at the time. The following year, we more than tripled our revenue. And it was just because I started making the moves that I knew I was going to make. And it was hard, man, but it was totally worth it. So uh, that was right about the time I was 29. When I was 29 years old, I'm doing all these things. I'm, I'm the creative director. I'm the business development guy. I'm, and I've got a staff of people that are supporting me. And we're, we're doing seven figures in revenue. We're doing well, right? I go to the dock and I have two little ones now. And my doc does a stress test because he's concerned. And he comes out after the stress test and he goes, hey, so I'm looking through your data. Hey, Dave, how do you know when you're going to have a heart attack? And I was like, uh, I, I don't understand the question. He's yeah. like, how do you know that you're going to have the heart attack? I'm like, doc, I don't get it. He goes, you don't know. You just have one. He said, you're the most stressed out person we've ever tested. He goes, you got to change everything. He said, if you don't, I'm 29. I, for some of you all on the call, that sounds old. That is not that old baby to be having a heart attack conversation. So he said to me, he goes, Hey, if you want to walk your four-year-old daughter, three and a half year old daughter down the aisle, you're going to have to change. 
So that went about changing everything that I did. And Matt, you could stop me at any point in time, man. I, I'm I'll get getting close to wrapping it up. Yo, you're you're good. And I, I want to unpack a whole lot of this. I want to go back into this, Beautiful. but I, I want to get this. <laughs> I want to get this thirty thousand foot overview because there's a lot that I want to unpack on this. So please, beautiful, beautiful, man. So so I. So I started to change my personal habits, right? Uh, when I was in high school, in junior high, I played multiple sports. Yep. I was in track. I was a weightlifter. I did baseball. I did soccer. I played quarterback and football. I did everything. When I got older, there was a little bit of a whiplash. And this happens to a lot of athletes where I just kind of stopped working out because I couldn't work out as intensely because life happened, right? I went to college. I got married while I was in college. I had kids young. I started a business young. So I stopped taking care of myself. So one of the things I started doing was I just went, you know what, dude, you have to work out five days a week. Like, doesn't matter what you do. And you could own, you, you at least have to put 10 minutes in, but you have to get five days a weekend. So I started doing that. I started meditating a lot more. I started changing up my religious and spiritual practices to really try and feed my soul. I also did a thing that's challenging for most men, and it was certainly challenging for me. I didn't have any friends. Okay. Yeah. And this is, a, this is a plague that mostly men, mostly heterosexual men, heterosexual men yeah. struggle with. Yep. They will have their wife, their spouse, they'll have their girlfriend, and then they don't have any other dudes. Yeah. And I had a college roommate who was... And, and is a brother to me. And he, he actually works with one of the companies now, but, um, but that being said, I didn't have anybody close. He lived in DC. I lived in Dallas. So I went about trying to find some of those guys that I could run with. Mm -hmm. Right. I also decided that I was going to build my businesses in a way. Cause I only had the one at the time where it didn't need me. Yeah. So I went about the process of trying to sell that business. I ultimately did in the summer of 2019. Then I started a new business and it's the one that's right over my shoulder. By the way, all, if you're watching on video and you can see all the signs behind me, these are all companies that I own and I actually own more. It's just that these are the original, some of the original companies. Yeah. And what I did was I started to build companies that didn't need Dave yep. to run them. They just needed Dave to be a visionary, yep. come in and do some leadership stuff with the teams. And so my life improved. And so ultimately uh, you know, where I am right now, I'm 35 years old. I have seven different companies. We're working on acquiring two more. Awesome. I live wherever I want, whenever I want. We took a month long hiatus to go to see family in different places across the country. We yeah. went to Disney world with the kids. Uh, and then I took all my staff from every company. We went to Estes park, Colorado for a week. We did team building, we did uh, meetings and reviews, and I got to be with my people for a full week there after I'd spent a full month hanging out with my family. So, so it's super cool to be able to have that journey. And it's not done, Matt, to your point, sure. man, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not even halfway through, man, yep. you know, and yep. so it's super fun to be where I am now and to be able to really see the, the growth and the difference. And, and y'all, all that happened in nine years. So they, exactly, man, all of that happened in nine years. We underestimate so much what we can do in a relatively short amount of time. 
you know, we really, really do. If those habits, you know, you talked about the habits and talked about shit, if those habits are in order, if those things are in place, and then, you know, we get into the systems of, uh, you know, we'll get into that towards the tail end, the kind of the systems that you're putting in place so that you're not having, so that you're having just as much of an impact, but you're not having to run the day-to-day and run yourselves ragged, right? If we get those habits in place and those systems in place, it is unbelievable what we can do when we team with others and, and, and the impact we can make, man. So rad. Okay. So that, that's exactly what we love to start with is kind of that 30,000 foot overview. So there's a few of these things that I want to um, kind of go back and, and um, unpack real quick before we open up to, to questions from, uh, from the young men. So you're moving around like this as a, as a young person in your developmental years. I mean, you are moving around, you know, and, and to all 15 different houses, right. And you've got all these different places you're going. I've heard both sides where, you know, I've heard people say like, oh man, doing all that. I never really got my roots as far as like establishing some solid friendships or establishing kind of a routine. And, you know, it was really, that was kind of a hard deal. I've also heard people say, look, man, that actually forced me to have to adapt to continuously to these new environments. Right. And so you talked about early on, you're moving around and you're also developing this entrepreneurial mindset. Do you see those two things as being intertwined at all? Like, was that, was the entrepreneurial kind of DNA something that you just, man, you just had it, your dad had it. It was just like, man, there it is. Or did those, you know, that continuous moving and having to adapt and to solve the different riddles of the different cultures that you're in, do you think that played into it? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I'm a big believer that things don't happen to you. They have, they happen for you. Right. Yeah. And so whenever I had all these moves, man, there were some really hard ones because we ended up, there would be some places where we would stay for three months. There would be some places that we would stay for a full year and I would create and foster deep, meaningful relationships. One of the things that happened though, Matt, that was really interesting Everywhere we went, I had a diverse set of friends. Yeah. Friends that, because I'm on a, you know, a lot of times I'm close to a military base or I'm on a military base. Well, my dad's an officer, but I'm talking with enlisted guys, kids, and I'm talking with people that come from every background you could possibly imagine. It is a true melting pot. And in the military, they insist that everybody adheres and comes together and works through personal differences. So for me as a kid, I had every sort of friend from every sort of background, socioeconomic and otherwise. Yeah. And what that did for me, Matt, was it showed me a broader perspective of the world. Mm-hmm. And I began to see there are these problems that people have. And that was a big thing that I remember thinking when I was 12 years old was I was like, man, if I can solve a problem, Mm-hmm. Then I have a business, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And so I started to watch and look at what are the problems that are out in the world? What are the things that people are struggling with? What yeah. are my peers struggling with on a regular basis? Yeah. And that really informed a lot of my entrepreneurial journey. It's so good, man. And one of the things that, and I, I love that, and I got to grow up and, you know, I didn't move, uh, is, I didn't move like you did, but I was in a very unique part of California growing up that, you know, I had friends that were, very much in a low socioeconomic 
you know, kind of status and, and some of them ended up going to, you know, they were getting involved in gangs and they ended up going to buy multiple that ended up going to prison. And right. I had some of these guys, I was kind of the, the stereotypical middle-class kid. We had a bunch of us too. And then we had some people who were ridiculously wealthy and we were all in this community. And so, you know, growing up, I, I kind of had the same, a similar experience, you know, with all of that. And um, one of the things that I realized I remember realizing this kind of early on, and I think I've seen this, especially as I've built schools and worked in schools, again, in the ganglands or in freaking Disneyland, you know, in, in these beautiful places, is that the problems are relatively similar mm-hmm. across the socioeconomic status. It's just the perspectives around those problems are different, right? Yeah. The problems themselves aren't different. It's how people view it. And so then I love what you're saying, you know, if these guys learn to go in and, and look at the world and go, okay, what problems can I solve? And that, by the way, doesn't need to be something you figure out when you're 25, 35, 42, right? You can start solving problems now and then understanding your quote unquote customers as far as their perspectives around that so that you can communicate how you're going to help them fix those problems. Dude, that's a superpower. Right. That's a superpower. And you gain that superpower very early on, man. I love that. Um, You're talking about, you know, kind of creating those businesses when you were young and then 25, you launched that that other business. So um, I got a couple questions around that. One, were you encouraged? And I'll, I'll say this one first and then be quiet. So were you encouraged to go the traditional like, hey, make sure you go to college and get your degree first? And I'll like, were you encouraged to go that route? What was kind of that? that gap between like high school and 25, what did that look like? Yes, I was encouraged to go to college and my parents made enough money to make sure that they paid for my school. So I'm super privileged. Uh, And so I went to school, I got a degree in philosophy, which means I'm really qualified to be an amazing bartender. Uh, (laughs) That's what that means. For sure. Yeah. And uh, I really enjoyed it. One of the things that I still use my degree, even though it has nothing to do with what I do per se, I studied logic a lot. And so in business, especially now, as I have multiple businesses, a lot of my time is spent reading legal documents. Well, almost every lawyer in the country, before they went to law school, their undergrad was in philosophy. Most people don't know that. Most people also don't know that most of our doctors, MDs, they go to get their undergrad in philosophy and then become doctors. They go to medical school. And the reason for that is they teach you logic and both the law and medicine require logic and deduction and induction to figure out what's going on and how to best form an argument. So I'm running in this philosophy department. I've only got like 20 other people. I'm at a huge school. It's 35,000 students. But I've only got 20 people that are in my graduating class. All but one of them is going to medical school or law school afterwards and me. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do. But at at the time, what I knew I was going to do was I was going to do something important. I was going to do something big. And so I was working with small businesses the entire time that I was in college, yeah. I, I did sales, I did marketing. I, and so through those experiences that were very challenging, Matt, I learned a tremendous amount. My, my parents, to their credit, always just wanted me to do whatever I wanted to do. Yeah, They were always super encouraging to be like, 
day, if you want to be a business owner, go be a business owner. You want to go be a marketing executive, go be a marketing. They didn't care. They just wanted me to enjoy my life and find success. I'm the one that decided that I was going to kick it up a notch and yeah. hold myself to a standard that only I can hold myself to. Good for you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I didn't know, didn't know that about uh, you know about the philosophy degrees. It makes a whole lot of sense, and I think that is a, you know, it's an undervalue. I don't know why we wait until. Um, I mean, I do, you know, whatever. It's somewhat, <laughs> somewhat of a rhetorical statement, but um, you know, what I want to say is, I, I don't know why we wait until college to give people the opportunity to dive into logic and and you know classical rhetoric that way and thinking through problems and being able to because it just enhances our ability to communicate in general so again whether you're having to Absolutely. think through logically and and you know deduce and induce and going into these fields that require it well i would argue every field requires that especially guys you're going into marketing you're dealing with the brains of the of the end user you know and so understanding how to logically break that down is is wildly beneficial um, I'm curious on the, you know, 25, you're going into to marketing and, um, you know, talking about kind of the early stages of, of digital marketing and internet marketing. And is that something that, you know, you went into because that in and of itself just sounded interesting and intriguing? Or did you look at it and go, okay, well, as a, as somebody who is kind of a natural problem solver, looking at things logically and kind of patterns of where things are going, hey, this is going to be a big area of focus in our, I mean, there's going to be opportunity here. And so I want to kind of jump in early, like what, or, or was it neither? I mean, what was kind of your thought process going into that field? So there was a lot that went into it, honestly, Matt. So, so part of it was i had had mar marketing internships in my senior year of high school and early college, I had done sales in college and I had done well in both of those. I had also taken classes in school, in college, in my undergrad on marketing as well. And I always enjoyed them. Now I had a phenomenal professor. She was really top notch at marketing. And I thought it was interesting. One of the things that happened though, Matt, I was a, I was a working in-house doing marketing for this large pharmaceutical company mm -hmm. here in the States. And it was like a $500 million company at the time. They ended up selling some of their assets to Walgreens. Okay. I mean, this is a large company, yeah. right? And I'm 24 and they're coming to me. I'm having conversations with the chief marketing officer. You know, we've got a, a company that has 10,000 people, 12,000 people. Yeah. I'm having a chat with the guy in the C-suite and he's coming okay. to me and he's like, Hey Dave, Tell me about how Google advertising works. Explain to me Facebook marketplace. Explain. I mean, we're having this conversation. Yeah. I'm 24. And I'm like, dude, aren't there like a hundred guys <laughs> between yeah. you and I? Why yeah. are you talking to me? And as I started to talk with him, one of the things that became really apparent, Matt, was this space of digital advertising, social media, unless you had grown into it, Unless yep. you had done it. And I was one of the few people that was doing it back in 2005. Yeah. The, the fact that it's now 2011, 2012, yeah. I was like the old guard, but yeah. I was 24, 25, man. Yeah. And yeah. so they're looking at me like, hey, we, you're the expert. And so yeah. I started to then engage with the agencies that they had hired. And as I engaged with them, there were four different agencies. Here's what I started to notice. None of them were transparent about how they worked. Drove me bonkers. Yeah. I'm trying to report on this to the CMO. I don't have any data. 
Yeah. None of them are doing work that I can see is having any effects on lead generation, foot traffic. And it's because they're not showing me. Yeah. And then the work that they are doing, man, it's a lot of repeat work. Yeah. So as I started to have these conversations, I'm just going, you know, I feel like someone can do this better. Yep. I've got this guy that's uh, in his 40s who's coming down to me to ask me how all this stuff works. I'm explaining it to him. I'm giving him an education and I'm not making that much money. I yeah. bet if I go start my own thing, yeah, I could be more transparent with our clients. I could give them all the data that they wanted. I could service them well. We'd come up with more creative and I'd be teaching a lot of these people that are much older than me yep. how this is done, but I'd be getting compensated for it in a way that I think is fair. Yep. And so that was really the impetus for getting started. You guys, that's so powerful. I hope you guys understand that, you know, and that, um, you know, is not dissimilar to um, most of you guys, you know, know my journey as far as education and working in all of these schools and going, look, man, we're doing a disservice to young people. Here's what they're actually needing. And then as I started speaking to Fortune 500s and, and they're telling me what they're not seeing out of all these college grads and what they wish they saw and the skill sets they wish they had, I went, well, gosh, why aren't we just providing that? Right. And so the schools we build are all around providing those things. This program is all around the opportunities for these guys to take on those things, because, again, you see the pattern, you see the problem and you provide the solution to the problem. Right. And that's it. But you've got in order to, for that to happen, you've got to be paying attention to what the problem actually is. And you've yeah. got to then have the guts to go, OK, cool. I'm going to go ahead and figure out a solution. I might not have it perfect to start, but I'm going to go ahead and take action on that. And I think that's where a lot of guys come short because I think a lot of people will notice patterns and they'll go, oh, you know, and they will be the Sunday morning quarterback that, oh, this is what should be done. Oh, this is what should be done. Oh, this is what they should have said. Oh, this is what, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Then go do it, right? Yeah. Then, then go get after it because if you'll go do that, you know, opportunity opens up. Um, I'm curious, there's one more, and gentlemen, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, make sure we open it up to Q&A because I know this will continue all of this in, in just a second here. So I'm going to ask you guys here in a sec to start putting your, uh, putting your hands up um, so that you guys can ask some questions of your own here too. Um, that relationship with that business partner, you know, and having to go kind of, um, you know, go through that, that hard thing of that breakup. And, and, you know, you said it was the thing you did not want to do but it was exactly what you needed to do, which again, metaphorically, gosh, how many times does that happen, right? We do the thing we don't want to do, but it's exactly what we freaking need to do to, to yeah. move things forward. And it's such a hard thing. But what you said about it is that you realized you guys were in different life stages, right? You've got somebody you've got to support. And therefore I have to move on. You don't hate the guy. You don't dislike the guy. You don't, it's not that it wasn't anything to do with it. You were in a different life stage. You realize that. And you realize you had to make the hard decision of cutting that business relationship. So for me, for these, you know, for these guys, how, how do you, how do you take that, uh, you know, knowledge of like, shoot, my life is going in a different direction. And then have those hard conversations in business with family, with friends. Like at what point do you go, okay, I'm in a different life stage. 
and I've got to kind of do this breakup, so to speak. Like, how do you, how do you know? And I'm not saying this for somebody that thinks they have the answer on this. I think this comes up for us so many times, but I think for, you know, all these young guys, it's a valuable thing to kind of keep in mind. Like, how do I know when I kind of need to cut this relationship off, you know, a little bit, is there, is there anything that you have on that or what your thought process was on that? Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what my experience was. And I think that there's some wisdom to glean from it. Yeah. What I started to see over and over again, Matt, was we would approach projects differently. So Mm -hmm. I would go to a client and I'd sell the, I I would meet the client, sell the client. And then I'd say, Hey, I'd go back to my then business partner and say, Hey, what is our timeline to complete this website project, for instance? And we need to do a logo and a website. So what's your timeline? And he would give me a timeline say, you know, I think we can get it done in six months. I'm like, hey, can we do it in five? Because they have this timeline they want to hit. Sure, we'll do it in five. So then what would happen is we'd get into the project. He'd be like, Dave, this is too much. Mm. Can't get this done in five months. And we'd only be two months in. And I'd say, okay, well, could you work some extra hours? You know, yeah. could you put some extra time in? Yeah. Let's get this done. We're only a couple months in. You got plenty of runway to, and he'd go, no, I, I'm only, I'm only going to work 35 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Now, flip side of this is, and this is where the wisdom comes. I'm working 70, 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so there's a difference and there's an imbalance in effort. Yep. He and I are 50, 50 partners. We're making the same money. I'm working twice as hard, twice as many hours. It's not even about effort. If I put my effort in there, it's even more egregious. Yeah. So as this is happening, I'm having conversations with them like, dude, I need you to help me. You Mm -hmm. either need to sell, you need to deliver stuff on time. It needs to be of higher quality. And so there's a lot of conversations. The most kind and loving thing you can do for people Mm -hmm. is to be transparent with them tell them honestly what's going on because the worst thing to have happen is for someone to not see it coming yeah i was telegraphing to him for a long time dude i need you to change i can't keep going like this this can't keep staying this way i can't do this and he was now listen here's the hard part i if i knew then what i know now I would have just come out and said, look, if you don't change anything in the next three months, I'm just going to buy you out. Yeah. I would have said that. I didn't do it then. I wish I would have. I didn't though. So here we are. So I think it's a big thing, Matt, as far as if you're trying to make a decision, what do I do with this family relationship? What do I do with this friendship? As you get into life and you're like, well, do I stay at this job? Do I start this business? You have to ask yourself the question, does it align with what's in you? And one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received is a deep teaching in self-knowledge of understanding who I am. Mm-hmm. And I've figured out I'm not normal in a, a way that I'm fine with, which is I am so driven mm-hmm. that if you're going to be a business partner, and I have business partners and a lot of the businesses behind me, if you're not going to be as driven as me, it's not a good fit. And so yeah. I just don't work with those people. But then here's the thing. And I want everybody to hear this. One of these businesses, I bought into it and I kept the other two owners on. They started that business when they were 19 and 21. Wow. They're now 21 and 23. They are business partners with me. Yeah. Right. And so they get all the benefit and mentoring and they have a majority of their company still. 
I just get to come in and help them out. And they're growing so fast that they're having what I call champagne problems, all the problems you want to have, right? So you can start and make a decision to start at any point in time and have lots of success. Oh, so good, man. The self-awareness piece of that, because um, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're going to cut off any kind of relationship, person relationship, you know, you know, men and men and women and, 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 you know, you guys, you, for you guys, you know, girlfriends and, um, your friends and, and family and business and all those things, but it's got to start with that self-awareness of, well, who am I, where exactly am I going? What exactly do I want? Because then you can more accurately gauge what I'm hearing is that, is that reciprocity, right? Is like, do we have the same, are we aligned on the vision? Are we aligned on a, on a, on the effort, you know, or is there a major disconnect on the effort here around that? And when you start seeing, okay, vision might be a little off effort is definitely way off, you know, that reciprocity is in danger. Um, and then the important, you know, the most important takeaway on that is that transparency around that too. And, and I, I love the way you say that. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about myself going, okay, where am I um, in life with any relationship? Where am I projecting? Hey guys, make sure mics are, uh, make sure mics are muted guys. Um, where am I projecting, um, you know, my desires versus, or, or thoughts around something versus going, Hey, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm, you know, here's kind of where I'm going. Here's what I'm looking for for you. What do you think? You know, and just kind of getting to that direct spot. And cause I don't want to be in that, in that spot. I think that's a lot of great wisdom right there, man. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.